The gospel reading for today comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, while the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, we just come to you and only you. We thank you for this opportunity to be here, God, and to be watching, to be in worship together, even though we're separated by distance, we can come together in the unity of our faith. I pray, O God, that you would minister to us and that you would speak to us. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was about nine or ten years old, uh, and my younger sister, Yvonne, was about four or five. 
She woke up one night screaming, yelling in agonizing pain, shouting out that her body hurt all over. She couldn't walk. She couldn't get out of bed. She couldn't even sit up in bed. All she could do was cry. It hurts. It hurts. And so my parents immediately rushed her to the emergency room at Southeast Baptist Hospital here in San Antonio. And after a few days of test, the doctors were able to diagnose her for spinal meningitis. And they started to treat her. But nothing seemed to be working. Her fever would not come down. The pain would not go away. I remember the doctors pulling my parents into the hallway and telling them that they needed to prepare for the worse. I remember, I remember my parents breaking down. And then as soon as they regained their composure, they called our pastor, Reverend Gregorio Valenzuela of Principe de Paz United Methodist Church here in San Antonio. By the time Pastor Valenzuela had arrived at the hospital, he had already set in motion a prayer vigil that began immediately. The members who could gathered at the church while others prayed from their homes. They prayed through the night for this precious little girl, asking God to intercede on her behalf and to bring healing and restoration to her body. When morning arrived, it brought a new day. And this little girl who had been crying through the night over the last couple of nights was sitting up in her bed giggling, laughing with her daddy as he made silly faces for her amusement. At some point early in the morning hours, her fever had broken and she had turned a corner. Hope was alive and the process of healing and restoration had begun. In the passage today from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, we can see the rebirth of hope for the followers of Jesus Christ. If you remember, it was just a few days ago that Jesus had entered into Jerusalem. It was a time when, when their exalted Messiah was entering with great anticipation and excitement that quickly turned to anger and rejection. These were days in which their rabbi was arrested, beaten, tried, and sentenced to death. Days in which the gentle healer 
was nailed to a cross and mocked. Days in which their Savior died and was buried in a borrowed tomb. But now, three days later, the resurrected Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Hope indeed had been reborn. Hope was reborn for all those who were gathered in that space. But there was one who was missing, who was not present. One who did not witness this glorious miracle or experience the presence of the risen Lord. For this one, there could be no hope until he was able to see Jesus for himself. And not only see Jesus, but see the nail marks in his hands. And he also needed to put his finger where the nails were and put his hand into Jesus' side. Until then, he could not, he would not believe. So who is Thomas? And why is he important for us today? Well, first, let's look at the, some, of the, some of the things we know about Thomas. Uh, we know that he was probably from Galilee. We know that his name in Greek is Didymus, which means twin. Now, whether he was an actual twin or just resembled someone else, that we don't know. We do know that he was brave and fiercely loyal. Jesus was telling a story in, in John chapter 11. He's getting ready to go see his friend Lazarus, who is about to die. And the disciples remind him of the danger of going back to Bethany. But Thomas, the brave and loyal Thomas, says, let us go. Let us go that we may die with him. We also know that Thomas liked to ask questions. In fact, in John chapter 14, he asked a question that allowed Jesus to proclaim one of the greatest verses we know. Thomas says, we know, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus proclaims, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And finally, through church tradition, we know that Thomas was the one who took the gospel message to India. Tradition holds that he was martyred by a spear. As such, Jesus' spear wounds were the evidence Thomas needed to believe. And Thomas spear wounds are the evidence 
of his faith. So why is he important? Why does this interaction with Jesus matter? He's important and it matters because we are often a reflection of his doubts and his unbelief. In his human and logical response, we often find our own response. It is because he is a questioner and logical by nature that the need for visible proof is so important. Just as we seek answers and proof to our own questions and doubts. And for Thomas, that proof came eight days later. When Jesus came and stood among them once again and said, Peace be with you. But this time, Jesus approaches Thomas and tells him, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Thomas then proclaims, my Lord and my God. Thomas now believes because he can see. And it's important to note that Jesus didn't cast Thomas aside because of his unbelief. He didn't say, Thomas, get thee behind me. He didn't say, I can't understand why you don't believe. Jesus simply acknowledged what was true. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus was able to redeem Thomas in spite of his unbelieving, in spite of his doubts. And at the same time, share what a blessing it is to believe and have faith in him without seeing. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so now the question for us today is what do we believe with regard to Jesus? What type of proof do we require? In Mark 9, we encounter a father who brings his son to Jesus, his son who was possessed by a spirit. And after sharing his story with Jesus, he says, If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replies, if you can, 
Everything is possible for one who believes. The man immediately responds, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. My friends, I think that is where many of us are from time to time. We believe or we want to believe, but our unbelief is lingering just around the corner. It can be difficult to wrap our minds around the supernatural, miraculous wonders of God. Sometimes God responds in ways where reason and logic don't help us understand. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is neither rational, reasonable, or logical. And that's probably why Thomas had trouble believing. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. A few years ago, I was reading a book that said that there are over 5,000 5, sources of historical evidence Biblical and extra-biblical, meaning those things in the Bible and outside of the Bible that confirm that Jesus was crucified, that he died, that he was buried, and that he was seen alive after he was put in the grave. I couldn't remember the name of the book until Good Friday, this past, this past Good Friday. I was watching the movie with my children, The Case for Christ. And I remembered at that point that it was in Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ. 5,000 plus sources of historical evidence that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he was seen alive after he was put in the grave. And while there is no medical or scientific explanation that I can cite for this miracle, the historical evidence is too great to ignore. But ultimately, as Michael Card sings, it comes down to faith. To hear with my heart, to see with my soul, to be guided by a hand I cannot hold, to trust in a way that I cannot see, that's what faith must be. My younger sister fully recuperated from her bout with spinal meningitis. She's now married and has two sons. But on Wednesday of this week, she was rushed to the emergency room at North Central Baptist as she was suffering from a heart attack. This time, no one in the family was allowed to be with her at the hospital as a result of COVID-19 restrictions. But once again, our family gathered in our respective homes to lift up Yvonne in prayer. And by Friday, the doctors had confirmed that she indeed suffered a heart attack. But 
they could see no damage to her heart and there were no blocked arteries. I believe God used the doctors just like he did when she was a little girl. I believe God was present guiding and directing the medical personnel. And I believe God was present with my little sister. That's what I believe. That's what my faith tells me. And the question for the day is, what do you believe? I'm going to ask Sarah and the band to come back up and we're going to pray. Amazing God, we believe that Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried. We believe that you resurrected him from the dead, and he lives today. Help us, O oh God, when our unbelief and doubt gets the better of us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and with a faith that stands amazed at your supernatural, miraculous wonders. Let there be no doubt or unbelief that you, O oh God, are able to do all things. For there is nothing impossible for you. With that in mind, we lift up the petitions from our community. We pray for Trey's knees, for Michael and all others working in nursing homes, and for the residents of those homes. We pray for all frontline workers, those who are putting themselves at risk for the common good each and every day. With Victor, we pray for a vaccine to be developed quickly and safely to combat this COVID-19 virus. We continue to pray for Diane, Mary, and Alan as they deal with the pain in their bodies. We lift up Loretta and her recovery. pray for Josie as she deals with her cancer and for her husband who is her caretaker. We pray for all the seniors in high school who are having to forego normal senior traditions and experiences as well as those graduating from college. We give you thanks for those who are celebrating another year of life such as George Ramirez. We celebrate with Marissa and Tommy as they prepare for the arrival of twins this fall. 
pray for a healthy pregnancy and delivery. We pray for those who are in our hearts right now. Those who are hurting, those who are suffering, those who are alone. We call out to you, oh God. We cry out to you, oh God. We ask you to manifest yourselves in our lives in a supernatural, miraculous way. That we would have the assurance that we would believe without doubt that Jesus is alive today and that he's still saying to each one of us, peace be with you. Peace be with you. These are uncertain times that we live in where fear abounds. But because of Jesus, we can stand firm in our faith and know the peace that surpasses all understanding. So we thank you, O oh God, that even in these trying times, your peace resides in our hearts. And so we come together in the unity of our faith and we lift up this prayer, this humble prayer, in the name of Jesus in whom we live and breathe and have our being. We thank you, O oh God. In Jesus' name. We know that all will be well. In Jesus' name.